Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Anita Jay and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. Today is Thursday, July 18th, 2019, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are in the chapter more about alcoholism. On page 41, we're reading the second paragraph only, which begins, as soon as I regained. Thank you. That's it. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Anita L. For the 12 traditions, Lois G. Readers of the text this morning are Katie G. and Catherine C. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, July 17th, are for the 7 a.m. meeting, 13,167, 13167. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 13,168, 13168. The newcomer greeter this morning will be Naomi B. and followed by our 8 a.m. host, Jen A. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision For You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to read OA's 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, recovered for today by the grace of God. Uh, The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove 
all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Anita L. And I will now ask Lois G. to read OA's 12 Traditions. Thank you, Anita. This is Lois G. in Michigan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you for letting me serve. Thank you so much, Lois G. Here's an important announcement that's never, ever been said before. Today, Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Step Study Meeting is seven years old. A miracle. All right. Do with that information as you will. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing 
and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, uh, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to, to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we will resume our study of the big book and we are on page 41 in the chapter three, more about alcoholism. And we are reading the second paragraph only. Good morning. Uh, I'm yes. sorry. Go ahead. I cut you off. No, please go ahead. That's all right. I'm just going to say uh, it begins with as soon as I regained. And Katie G will get us started. <laughs> perfect. And she's Perfectly eagerly, imperfect. She's <laughs> I was unmuting. <laughs> I love you, Vision for You. Katie G recovered in Boston um, since October of 2015 and grateful for all my teachers. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. I now remembered what my alcoholic friends had told me, how they had prophesied that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come, I would drink again. They had said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way before some trivial reason for having a drink. Well, just that did happen and more. For what I had learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help me in these strange mental blank spots. I had never been able to understand people who said that a problem had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. So when I first came into the rooms, I thought step one was pretty simple, right? Like I can't use food. I need a diet. I have weird reactions. Okay, okay, fine, let's go on. Step one is actually really dark. And I took it, um, I go through the steps every year and I really had a shift in my program a couple years ago when I went through the steps and it, it, it took several months to go through step one and it was very dark. I really understood hopelessness, which is incurable, defeated, which is destroyed and crushing, which is reduced to particles, right? And a blow, shatter, burst, destroy. I have an alcoholic mind and I am addicted to my thinking. I have a huge ego, right? And I think 
um, that I know how to fix things. I know that I am the great KDG and I can fix them. And let me tell you, I went to extreme lengths to prove that I could fix them. But finally, praise God, this book is reminding me, I have no willpower. I have no self-knowledge. And it doesn't matter whether the, the, the reason is that, you know, I broke a hangnail or my father died. There's no reason if I look in the light of day, um, the consequences of what's going to happen when I pick up the food ingredients and behaviors, to me, there's no reason that's sufficient to pick up the food, and yet I do over and over again. I will always eat. I will eat no matter what, no matter what I eat, unless I am grounded in step one. And if you're out there wondering if you're abstinent and you are working any other step besides step one, I beg of you to consider you are not at any other step besides step one. Right, My ego must be destroyed. The great KDG cannot control her exercise, her body weight, her bulimia, her anorexia, foods, ingredients, and behaviors. I will never go back to sugar and be able to safely use it because I have an allergy to the body. But I'm a sick puppy, right? And I must stay grounded as a recovered woman in step one today daily or I'm not going to do step 10. I don't care about 11 and frankly, I don't want to help you, right? And so this paragraph reminds me, KDG, are you, using, are you staying reduced to particles or has your ego reemerged? Because guess what? It feels good to have a few days of abstinence. Right? Or is my ego reemerging? How am I using self-knowledge and willpower to, to defeat something else in my life, to get what I think I need to be okay? Please, God, help me stay grounded in step one, grounded in this crushing blow of my ego, which is the greater aspect of my disease, and grounded in this beautiful solution. Thank you, my teachers. Let me stay grounded today, entirely abstinent, and working the steps like my life depends on it. Because without the steps, I'm dead. Thank you. Thanks so much, Katie G, for getting us started. All right, who else would like to share for three minutes? Helen G. Tina S. This is Larry Katie, K. Somebody, uh, Katie, somebody, and Tina S. Harlan and and G. wait a minute. It was was it, it was Kim, Kim G? G. Yes. It was Kim G. Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. So wait, this we have I, I heard you, um, even though I didn't mention it. Harlan, uh, Kim G, Tina S, Larry K, and who Reva did P. I hear? Reva P. Vasa O. Vasa. Leia S. All right. And Leia. Okay, we'll stop right there for right now. Not forever. All right. So we have Harlan, Kim, Tina, Larry. Reva, Vasa, and Leah S. All right. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. And thank you to Team Thursday for making this magnificent meeting possible. And expanding out, before I say a word, I want to say how honored and grateful I am to be a part of a vision for you. I have been in Overeaters Anonymous for 40 years. And it has been my honor and privilege to do big book studies, conventions, retreats in several different countries, in most states of the United States, Providence of Canada. And I've never seen a group of people more dedicated to recovery than the people in a vision for you. 
This is an honor and a privilege to be part of it. And as I tell Leah, and I've told Melanie, the sun never sets on the miracles of a vision for you. Let's take a look at the paragraph. Sorry about that. Let's, no, I'm not really sorry about it. It's okay. No matter what the situation is, food becomes the solution to my problem. When I am a compulsive overeater, and believe me, I am, food is never the problem. Food is the solution to the problem. And if food is the solution to the problem, what is the problem? The problem is the buildup of everyday, normal human emotion. Now, all human beings have emotions, happiness, sadness, fear, anger, jealousy, lust, regret, remorse, boredom, all these things are human emotions. And when in a compulsive overeater or an alcoholic or a gambler or a drug addict, these emotions build to a certain level, I like to call it the red line, these emotions will signal to the brain that something is wrong and the brain will send me reeling into the arms of a Kit Kat bar. I'll be looking down the business end of a Kit Kat bar faster than I can say two and two is four. And I will look to that Kit Kat bar even though it has destroyed me. If you did to me what a Kit Kat bar did to me, you would be in jail. And I would run from you. I would run from you as fast as I could. I would never let you near me. And yet I will go after that Kit Kat bar because the mental blank spot will never allow me to see what the Kit Kat bar did to me. It will only let me lust after the euphoria of the effect of what that Kit Kat bar did for me. It made everything all right. It made the world go away for about nine seconds, and then the physical allergy takes over. I can never, ever eat a Kit Kat bar, a cookie, ice cream, whatever. I don't have enough time to go into it. I can never eat my allergic foods safely ever again. If I've been abstinent for 7,000 years, I will never be able to dance with a Kit Kat bar because the Kit Kat bar will determine when I will die, how I will die. It's not safe for me to do so. This is a paragraph that illustrates perfectly the twist of the mind and in the previous paragraph when he couldn't stop drinking the allergy of the body the disease is progress excuse me permanent progressive and fatal and only a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps will give me respite for one day with that I'll pass thank you thanks Harlan all right Kim G and then Tina F good morning Kim Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I've been recovered since 2011. 
first I want to point out, it says, as soon as I regain my ability to think. So this is one of many, many references in the big book where it tells us we have to put our substance down first. <clears throat> but what I want to focus on is a promise. You know, always talk about the promises in these books. So here's a promise. It says that they prophesied, they promised that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come that I would drink again. Now, I'm not a historian like, like, like Harlan is, but I'm going to talk a little bit about some history and some um, conjecture on my part. So during the 40s and 50s, when AA was at its pinnacle of growth, there were two AAs. There was AA the Fellowship and AA the big, book of, the big book that we're reading now. And there was really no difference between the two. But in the 60s and 70s, rehab started to pop up. And what happened was these two fellows, these, these two AAs, the fellowship and the big book started to be different. This is when the word recovering entered the, entered the lexicon of AA meetings, even though the book has always talked about recovered. And this is also when the rate of recovery started to plummet as AA the fellowship and AA the big book started to differentiate. This is when a lot of the sayings originated in AA, which are now in OA, of meeting makers make it, 90 and 90. Remember your last drink. Think the drink through. Today, choose not to drink. One day at a time became one day at a time white-knuckling your substance versus reprieve from the mental twist. And when I speak with AA people and I ask about this time period, they said, well, because of the rehabs and courts ordering people to AA, a lot of moderate and heavy drinkers began to come into AA who had consequences from their drinking but they weren't the real alcoholics and they didn't need the steps so they could live off these things. Now here comes my conjecture. When did OA come about? We came about in the early 60s. So as we were growing in the 60s and 70s, what I think happened was we absorbed the contemporary and emulated the contemporary AA in the meetings. And that's why our stuff probably says recovering versus recovery because that's what was going on in AA at the time. This promise that we're reading here in the program of the recovery versus the program of the fellowship. And if you're the real compulsive overeater, you are going to eat again. The allergy is biological. I can't get holy enough to not have the allergic reaction. So when I hear people in OA who say they can eat again, who say they've never had an allergy, that they don't need the steps, maybe the tools are enough, they're not the real compulsive overeater. So the moderate heavy eaters in our fellowship they can find re release, re refuse and relief in the fellowship in OA. It is not a life and death errand for them. So just to wrap up, if you, as we wrap, sorry, as we wrap up these step one chapters, ask yourself, who are you? Because if you're the real compulsive overeater, the time and place will come that you will eat again. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kim G. All right, Tina S., and then it will be Larry K. Thanks so much, Anita. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Well, some great shares and a great chapter for sure. And, you know, so grateful to be on the same page and on the same line with people that are recovered in, in this meeting. And a uh, happy anniversary to Vision for You. Uh, what a wonderful thing it did for my life and uh, catapulted my recovery for sure. Uh, you know, and, I, you know, I don't know that I could say much more than has already been said. But what I do know is that if I am a com 
compulsive eater of the type, you know, a, a, a real alcoholic, a real compulsive eater, the only solution for me is in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And on that note, I can also say that I believe that OAA and the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous do, have, do not have a monopoly on God. So if this isn't for you, you know, find what is. But, it is, but if it is for you, please follow the directions in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that take the direction of somebody with, in whom the problem has been solved so that you too can have a spiritual awakening and live a different life. You know, I'm all on board with this. It says, not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. You know, and it tells me in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, there'll come a time when I won't have a mental defense. And it tells me where that mental defense must come from. And that is a power greater than myself. You know, so being in step one, you know, I'm totally powerless. My life is unmanageable. And if I stay there and if I don't be willing, you know, to, to do something different, to get something different, that's all I'm going to get is the disease of compulsive eating. And I've been there for too long, you know, and I don't want to go back. You know, my life has been transformed today. Not, not, not necessarily my life. Let's put it this way. I have been. My life can be the same, but I'm different in it today. And that's the difference. That's what gives me a life beyond my wildest dreams because I no longer have to react the same way. You know, I no longer find my solution in food, booze, drugs, people, whatever. You know, today the solution for me is a power greater than myself that lets me live that life beyond my wildest dreams. And it is through the directions, you know, and I have to start someplace. So why not start right here? You know, because we're going to start talking about step two, which is the hope the principle behind the second step, so that we can be catapulted to have life beyond our wildest dreams. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks very much, Tina. All right, Larry Kay, and then it will be Reva P. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Anita. Good morning. Uh, thanks so much for your service. Larry Kay recovered. You know, um, what I'm thinking about this morning is um when we as we're as we're looking at fred is um is I, i've sponsored the likes of fred many times over the years you know let's see if we can if we can take a look at some of the barriers to recovery because you know if we don't do that we're, we're not going to get recovery i don't care how long we've been around if we don't identify the character traits associated with this you know we're not going to be able to tap into this this uh this recovery and and by the way recovery can happen as organically as breathing now it seems to some that it's as far away it's it's calculus it'll it'll never happen i'm telling you it can happen quick and it could be as effortless as breathing see fred's doing a lot of thinking he's doing a lot of rationalizing i've met those people have you a lot of prideful intellectualizing up to this point. See, this is a, a very counterintuitive barrier to recovery that we engage in. And we have not, if we do that, we haven't embraced the two critical elements that has to be at the core of anyone who intends to recover. First, we have to understand the allergy of the body and the mental twist. We have to understand that we, we ingest there's a biological mandate has been said to eat. We don't get satisfied when we eat our alcoholic substance. Our desire for more doesn't get satisfied. It gets amplified. It gets 
magnified. And then even when we put the food down, someone's on a diet right now and they put the food down and they're whistling and they're feeling good. Just like Fred, the mental twist will get you if you're not recovered. It'll come back. The other critical element is this is a process of spiritual recovery where we have to continually move from the head to the heart. This isn't an intellectual or analytical process. You don't get an intellectual or analytical awakening. It's a spiritual awakening of the heart. We're not brought into, an, into alignment with, an, with the intellect of other smart people. We don't get recovery on the shoulder of intellectual giants. We get recovery by being brought into alignment with God. If we're not brought into alignment with the God of our understanding, a power that's not you, then, then we will not, we will eat again. It's a guarantee. Or we will hold our breath underwater and we will be, we will have a white-knuckled, miserable, horrendous abstinence. Maybe in a right-sized body, but we know in our heart of hearts we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it will drop. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thanks, Larry Kay. Reva P., and then it will be Vaso. Good morning, Reva. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Hi, it's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I love this paragraph. I love this chapter. I notice it says twice in this paragraph, alcoholic mind. And he's drumming home this point that I am doomed, not because of the physical allergy of my illness. I'm doomed because of the mental twist. So I can be abstinent only. I can be on a diet and I can think everything is fine. But sooner or later, I'm going to pick up again because of the mental twist. I can know about OA. I can know about the steps. Um, I can have a lot of knowledge, I can have willpower, and I am promised in this paragraph, I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick up sooner or later. Um, and it just strikes me um, how it, it's just hitting home that sobriety and abstinence will never be enough. If I don't get this um, connection with a higher power and access power, I am just doomed. And you know, what strikes me um, as he's coming to this realization and it's a crushing blow, you know, step one is not a feel-good step. It feels really lousy to realize, realize that all my best efforts, all my best thinking, all my trying harder, all my efforting avails me nothing, zero like the vending machine example, zero, nothing. I don't get half a thing if I put in you know, um, half the money. I get zero. Um, and that whole idea of crushing, again, reminds me when it comes to my alcoholic mind and my old beliefs and my ways of thinking which drive my behaviors, they have to be crushed. They have to be smashed. And I don't know the page where it says that. Um, so when I am crushed and I am smashed, although it feels really lousy, that is the beginning where God can come in to my brokenness, to my wounds, um, and heal me. And it's 
I, from my experience, it's scary, it's uncomfortable, it really doesn't feel good, but it's the beginning of freedom. And in my wildest dreams, I never thought that was going to happen. Um, so if I'm the real deal, it's really highlighting to me the importance of addressing my mental twist, which I can only address by doing the steps um, and getting access to that power. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Reva P. All right. Good morning, Vasa, and then it will be Leah X. Thank you. Thank you, Anita, for your service. And good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive, Rita Gone from Foxborough, Massachusetts, and happy anniversary to Vision for You. And I came around that time, and I was given this number. I'm so, so grateful. I, of course, I did the big book process before, and I, you know, but it was not on a daily basis, on a daily basis like we do today. Even if I don't share, I'm on it every morning. I'm just so blessed to have it on a daily basis. But anyways, I, yeah, I saw that willpower and self-knowledge will not help in those strange mental blank spots. And yes, I did experience that for many, many, many years, trying to to find the, the solution and all the power and this all self-knowledge, it just not work. And uh, when I came to OA, I had hit bottom. Uh, that was my bottom. I had to put everything aside that I knew about diets and experimentation with diets. And, oh, it was just, it, it just, it was, it was crushing blow for me to, to find out that certain things I had to put down, things that I loved, I lost it over the years, and I remember, how am I going to do this? This is, it's, I don't want to, but if I kept on doing what I was doing, it was going to kill me. So I had to make a decision. Do you want to keep going the way you're doing, or you want to go a different way? And I'm just so grateful. I needed to find a power greater than myself, because all the power and all the knowledge and all the strength that I that I used on my, by myself, by my own willpower, it just was not working. So I'm just so grateful that somebody gave me this big book and I could identify, you know, with all of you and me. And I felt like I, I was home. You know, these people understand what am I going through, how am I feeling, and uh, it was, it's just it was like a relief, you know. Finally, I learned I had the allergy with the mental obsession. If I work on the big book, the way it's laid out, the way the steps are laid out, one step at a time, and I will get recovery. And I have for many years. It doesn't mean that my, I thought once I have this higher power in my life, my life is just going to be perfect. It's not so. It's just going through life without running to, to overeat or running to those foods that were going to kill me. It, it's, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering, emotional suffering going through. You know, we go in people, sicknesses, deaths, um, you know, good and bad things. So I don't have to go to the food for comfort. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Vasa. All right, Leah S., and then we'll open it up again. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everybody, and happy birthday, happy anniversary to Vision. 
Oh, my goodness. Okay, um, here we go. Step one. Um, I want to begin um, that I humbly admit I came in for my vanity because that was driving me. The diet was driving me. The perfect dress, the uh, perfect shoes, uh, the perf- being the ball of the bell, <laughs> the bell of the ball, whatever it is. Um, and I stayed for the sanity. Now, that's such a a, a big, um, a deep word, um, sanity. What is really sanity to some people? And and to me, sanity meant just being the the perfect size. This program is is unbelievable when you personalize it, when you take it to your heart and you understand what it means. You go and dig into these steps like your life depends upon it, which is the way I did. I am abstinent since October of 2014. But that's not the point that, that, that is really the point. The point is that this program and in, in all of its steps keep me in alignment and they keep me on track and they are my lifesaver because I cannot, con- I cannot exist without taking step one each and every single day. What am I not controlling? Everything. Everything, everything about me, about everyone else. And thank God I am not, because I would never be able to do such a job. But anyway, um, just keep coming back and listening and doing and, and reaching out, because there is hope for all of us. There really is. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass Thanks so much, Leah. All right. Who else would like to share on this important paragraph? Which began Barbara, with Judy, Judy Linda Adam. D. from Connecticut. Melinda. Wait a minute. Judy, Linda. Raquel. Leslie M. Catherine C. Catherine Raquel. C. Catherine C. and Raquel. All right. I'm going to stop right there. I'm sorry if I missed anyone, but let me tell you who I do have. I have Judy, uh, Linda, Leslie, Kathy, and Raquel. And then uh, we may have time for a couple more. All right, Judy, you are up. Hi, can I be heard? Yes. Oh, wonderful. I'll start my timer. Hi, this is Judy F. Compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Good to hear you, Anita, and everyone uh, else. And yeah. hey, um, so happy anniversary. I, I remember our first day and how grateful I was. Um, and I also remember this is the uh, month of my um, abstinence of, uh, it was 28 years ago that I hit really hit my hopefully last bottom. And I did go through a treatment center, but thankfully that treatment center um, was based on the big book, and I was given a big book and worked um, the steps right away. Um, got entirely abstinent, really clear on what my binge foods were, and um, had set boundaries around um, my food um, intake, and it didn't have any of the allergic foods, and got right into the doctor's opinion and learned about the obsession. Um, 
allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And in this paragraph, I had, um, when I went through it with my sponsor many years ago, and then how I bring others through it, um, we circled all the eyes and, and how it was all about the, you know, the addict, like I had not thought of the consequences. I commenced to drink careless, as carelessly. Um, and, you know, uh, I had done that before hitting my bottom thinking, oh, now I can do this. Um, now I have all the knowledge and, you know, knowledge doesn't, didn't do me any good. Um, it, it is a spiritual malady that I have, but I needed to get cleaned up with my the physical allergy and then um, get to the steps that then I could have a relationship with a higher power and not my higher power is food and my self-reliance, my ego. So I'm so grateful for the big book and for the directions in the big book and that it's so clear um, spends a lot of time on step one because I had to really um, concede that I was powerless over food and I my life was unmanageable. And I had that alcoholic mind. Um, I was looking for ease and comfort in, in food and in self-reliance too and in control of my situations. And if I don't continually do this on a daily basis, I can get back into self-reliance very quickly. So I am so grateful for our um, program of recovery here and that I have a fellowship that supports me in doing the work that I still need to do in steps 10, 11, and 12. But I do, I am recovered and, um, and so grateful. Thank you and I pass. Thank you so much, Judy F. All right, Linda D., and then it'll be Leslie M. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut, and I'm so astonished and grateful, grateful, grateful for this program. I want to say that when it was announced that it was the seventh anniversary of A Vision for You, I broke into a smile, broad smile, and my eyes filled with tears of gratitude. Hugs and kisses to all of you. I truly mean that. The thing about my life is this. I'm 75 years old. So what? I've been recovered for five and a half years in chiclets, a couple extra months there, not chiclets. I have never had a life like this, including when I was a kid and had all sorts of promise in my life. I have a clarity in my heart about my value in this world. And it's smack dab, my value is smack dab in the center of my relationship with a higher power. And that's not because I'm a religious fanatic that I'm here and I'm going to teach you or I know, you know. It's not of that, not that at all. It's that this works. This is not too good to be true. These steps from the big book with all of you have opened me up, cracked me open like a walnut so that 
the junk inside, all the assumptions about me and life and what it's all about, all of the mistaken notions are being uprooted or have been uprooted. And I'm living from a core that is authentic and it's um, couched in love, not fear. I lived my whole life this scared, scared kid or scared, scared grown-up. I can go back there. I'm on the earth. I'm an American. That would scare the hell out of anybody. Really. Uh Uh-uh. Today I know. I either figure the thing out, whatever the problem is today, or I turn to what seems like sort of a, oh, ethereal kind of far-off thing. It's right present in me, my connection. And I need you, so I'm reminded of that. Because this works. It's not too good to be true to have a new life. At 75, 175, or 15, if you're smart enough to get in this boat. Thank you. I pass. Thanks very much, Linda D. All right, Leslie M. And then it'll be Kathy from North Carolina. All right. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service this morning. My name is Leslie M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York. Um, And I just want to be one of those that chimes in to say happy seventh anniversary to A Vision for You. It certainly changed my life and changed my recovered state of being. So I'm very grateful. The thing that really spoke to me in the paragraph this morning says, I have never been able to understand people who had that problem, had a problem, had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. And, you know, the other reason that this ties back into the paragraph is that when I had my crushing blow, I I had always known that I was powerless over the food, but I finally realized that I was also powerless over my thinking. Um, My last binge, I saw how the mental obsession had driven me right back to the food with a very trivial trivial, uh, excuse, and that even though I attempted to fight this thought all day, there was no fighting it. I needed a power greater than myself to do that, and I was not it. And when I came to that realization that I was powerless over my thinking, I finally surrendered to this process. And and through this process, you know, I have been uh, recovered, abstinent and recovered for 16 months, which um, I thought was impossible for me. And so I, I'm just so, so grateful for this meeting, for this big book, for everybody on the line who does service and who listens and who shares every day. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Leslie M. All right. Uh, Kathy, tell me your initial, your last name from North Carolina. You are up. Kathy? Press star one. And then it will be Raquel. All right, then I'm going to move on to Raquel, and then if Kathy comes back, we'll, we'll grab her. Raquel, are you available? Hi, yes, I am. Hello. All right. Hi, Anita. Hello, all my dear friends. Wow, happy birthday, happy anniversary. I'm so happy that we are together. You know, uh, the predecessor, the, how do you say it? The, the, what we had before 
for a couple of years from 2010 to 2012. When that stopped, I cried so hard. And my sponsor, my wonderful sponsor, said to me, Raquel, God is preparing something better for us. I don't know that she was that uh, prophet, but that's exactly what happened. So thank you, God, and thank you all for being there. And we should go from strength to strength. If I heard there are already more than 5,200 people holding hands around the world. When I tell people about vision, I tell them, when I give out the numbers to call and, and, and the, the site, and I say, can you imagine holding hands with over 5,000 people around the world who understand each other and a thing that other people don't even start to understand what we're talking about. You don't want to eat, so don't eat, you know. Okay, there are so many beautiful things here, but that same sponsor taught me that we're talking about two deaths here. And the easier one is the death of food as I knew it. And the second and the hardest is the death of self as I knew it. And I think that this is what he's talking about. People spoke now. Oh, I didn't put my timer on, Anita, dear. Please start. Okay. Halfway. Look, I have never been able to understand people who said that the problem had them hopelessly defeated. That's that. In order to understand that, that I can't fix, that I'm powerless, that, that, that I'm pretty much insane in that department because I've been put up against life from age 13 to fend for myself. So what the heck, you know, I'll, I, I'll handle it, I'll do it. No, I don't. No, I don't because I, I will not change totally. So yesterday I was at a beautiful, beautiful engagement party that meant so much to me. And I had such a wonderful sense of well-being. But it's been a month now since I went to that health food place where they make their protein, uh, raw food, but they make their protein out of putting together all kinds of things that for me are a binge, nuts, and all kinds of things that they sprout, which for me, it, it's not something I can have. I, I, I can't have that for protein. I have to go back to eating fish the way I was. But I'm still in a struggle, like voyeurism, you know. I look at these things, you know, at, uh, in different stores in the supermarkets. And, like, I know I'll never have that again. But I'm again at a hard spot to to give it up so that I can continue and progress. Maybe one of these days, with abstinence being now almost, in December 12th, it will be 11 years. And with all that, I cannot let it go over my lips that I am recovered as long as I can. With a feeling of well-being at this wonderful party, I, the things that I wish I could eat. I don't want that anymore. I'm going to stick around, Fine. you guys. Yes, I wrap up. I, I, you guys are going to have to put up with me a little bit longer, I think so. Thank you so much for being there, and I pass. Thanks very much, Raquel. Kathy, did you come back from North Carolina? You here? Well, then I have time for two, two and a half minute shares. Kelly, 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 and who? I and Irene. All right, that's it. That's it. Kelly and Irene. Go ahead, Kelly, for two and a half. 
Hey, Anita, thank you. It's um, Kelly S. from uh, Oklahoma, Recovered Compulsive Overeat and Bulimic. So glad I got on the line this morning. Um, stepping on everybody's toes, being one of those people. Uh, so I'm just so grateful for this meeting. This meeting is my Ebby, brought me back to the book. You know, I've been around for 30-something years, and my experience in OA is we had gotten watered down, um, the meetings I had been attending, and all we did here was recovering. So when I heard you guys say recovered, I was like, um, you can't say that. That's like sacrilegious, but thank God I was desperate, and I kept listening, and you brought me back to the book. Because let me tell you, this has been my experience. I didn't want to be the real alcoholic. I kept wanting to hear those people that were the hard compulsive overeaters, the problem eaters, who could eat their things, who could eat their alcoholic foods occasionally, and they were okay. I wanted to be that. I kept saying I was powerless, but yet I kept picking up. I kept picking up 30-something years in these rooms, right? I, I've been 125 pounds overweight numerous times. I've been 20 pounds underweight. I would lose my weight. I'd never get a year of abstinence because why? I would be abstinent. I'd get away from the physical allergy, but then what would happen? I had not worked the steps. I had not had the psychic change. I had not had that, uh, you know, been rocketed in that fourth dimension. I had no way of doing life. So, yeah, the physical allergy had been addressed. But you know what it talks about here? You know, um, no, no thought of the consequences at all. Well, sometimes I even had, I did know what the consequences. I had to eat. I had to get my, my fix, right? And it didn't matter. Like we've heard, you know, Jim and Fred, maybe we had some resentment building up. Maybe everything was going great. It didn't matter because my alcoholic mind my compulsive, my real alcoholic said to me, this time would be different. You're not really that, right? So I had to come to this program. I had to start with a set-aside prayer. I had to think, maybe you guys, okay, maybe this big book. It's not vision for you. Vision brought me into the book, right? Vision's not a program. It's a healthy OA meeting that says, let's get back to the basics. Let's get back how it started. If I'm the real alcoholic, it lays it out in here. I have a physical allergy. I have a mental obsession. Mental aspect is the greatest aspect of my disease, and that was the part I never understood. And how do I take care of that? I work these steps. I work with others. I have to work all 12 steps. That's where it says having worked these steps, we have a spiritual awakening, right? So I can't just come in like I used to, thinking if I put the food down and started working the steps, why am I not getting the promises? Well, it's laid out like that. I have to do the work. I have to do the work every day because why my alcoholic mind will always take me back. Four and a half years of recovered abstinence, never ever thought I had it, would get this. I'm so grateful today, but I have to be vigilant because my mind will convince me that this time might be different. And it doesn't matter if everything's going wonderful. And with that, I just want to say happy birthday. And if you guys are like me, I'm going to wrap up. Then just stick around. Okay, bye. Okay. Uh, You know what now, Irene, you've got a minute and a half. Okay, um, I'm Irene, um, uh, recovered but not cured limic from Louisiana. Thank you so much for your service. <clears throat> Sorry. I just had a thought that um, I just decided to change my entire share. I'm a computer. I'm just a computer. My brain is a computer. And I know that when something malfunctions, that, uh, I've learned the first thing they ask you, is the equipment plugged in? It's when you call the help desk. Oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, no, it's not plugged in. Let me plug it in. Okay, that works. Or the computer is not responding. It's not doing anything. Have you tried turning it off and on? No, I haven't tried that. 
so, you know, now I've learned over years and years of experience that when things malfunction, you turn it off and you turn it back on. You reboot. Well, whenever we go to sleep, we turn off our computer. And every morning when we wake up, we must reboot. If we don't reboot, we're not connected to the power source. And that's the most important thing daily. Yes, perfect. And am I, am I out of time? You are, but that was perfect, Irene. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to turn off my computer again. Okay. No, no, keep it on. Irene, that was perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody who shared on the special day. Yes, yes, a vision did it for me too after being around since 1978. All right, so please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for this marvelous meeting, as they all are marvelous, aren't they, is 13,171, 13171. So I will now um, close this meeting with the reading from the big book on page 164. And our good friend... Uh, Catherine C. will read a vision for you. Hi, Anita. Can I be heard? Yes, thanks, Catherine. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.